A verse of scripture we would like for you to look at with us, Isaiah 55, verse 2. The Lord willing, we're going to be doing some shopping in this message. That is spiritual shopping. And of course, the Bible is the spiritual shopper's guide. Isaiah 55, verse 2. Wherefore, do ye spend money for that which is not bread, and ye labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. The word bread, as found in this text, refers to more than cornbread and biscuits. It is a reference to our overall livelihood, including both our spiritual welfare, our lives, and our physical lives. And I do not have anything to spend for that which is not bread. The term bread in the text is used metaphorically to speak of higher things than what the physical body requires. In the primary sense, it refers to the spiritual life, for it says, Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. The text is a reference to that which nourisheth the soul, builds it up, edifies it, makes it strong in the Lord. The rich man of Luke chapter 12 made two fatal mistakes. His first mistake was he thought this life was the sum of his existence. His second mistake, which naturally followed, was he thought his soul could be fed with carnal things and thrive thereby. He said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all of my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Multiplied millions of people are doing today the same thing this farmer done. They think to prosper in this life is the only thing that matters. But as with this foolish farmer, they too are in for a rude awakening. Let us hear what God says to this farmer who had spent his labor for that which satisfieth not. And God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? Then the Lord says to all of us, both saved and lost, So is he that layeth up treasure for himself, and is not rich towards God. Verses 17 and 21, Luke 12. The Apostle Paul said, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. These words of Paul were spoken to some people who had denied the resurrection of Christ and had shut themselves up to a mere earthly or time existence, and in which consequence starved the spiritual man or the soulish man. Now let us, for the next few minutes, go do some shopping. That is, let us do some shopping for the soul. In this shopping, we will use the infallible shopping guide, and in so doing, we cannot help but be smart shoppers. There is not a person on this earth who can afford to spend money for that which is not spiritual bread. And none should put forth spiritual labor that does not lift up his soul unto God. First then... Before I mention some things we need to be need to be shopping for, 
I want us to clearly understand we are not and cannot shop for the salvation of our souls. Let me repeat that. It needs to, it bears repeating. I want us to clearly understand we are not and cannot shop for the salvation of our souls. This does not mean, however, we are not to witness to one another and to everyone we can about the grace of God or the salvation of the soul. But the blessed truth is, God has an infrangible franchise on the market of souls. He says, all souls are mine. And he has bought an infinite number of souls for heaven. And all others he has justly passed over and left them in the slave market. And by the way, that's exactly where they love to be. Christ came to this earth on a soul-buying mission. He did not come looking for bargains, for he knew there was none to be found. The Scripture says of mankind, they are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Romans 3, verse 12. Since the fall of Adam, not one person has had any redeeming qualities or merit before Christ. No, not one. Let us read. The psalmist said, speaking of humanity, They are altogether become filthy. Note, if you please, the term filthy. Psalm 14.3 is an inspired adjective. The scriptures are sure hard on the vaunted pride of man. I do not want to sound uncouth, but I must be clear. Every Tuesday and Friday, I put out a bag of garbage out for the city to pick up. And many of you do the same thing. Maybe not the same day, but, beloved, the same kind of garbage. Now, the ego-busting truth is the souls which God has bought were at the time much more filthy than any garbage you or I have ever put out or could possibly put out. Would you not consider filthy rags garbage? Sure you would. And that right away. I have been in, in a lot of homes, and I have never seen any filthy rags lying around in those homes. Before you criticize me for saying these things, I want you to know you would be jumping on the wrong person, for they are not original with me, but was first said by somebody who knew exactly what he was talking about. And that person is the all-wise and sin-hating God. Now, here is what he said on this very subject, and that through his spokesman Isaiah. Isaiah 53, verse 6. But we are all as an unclean thing. Beloved, do you not agree that garbage is unclean? He said, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. However, I rejoice in knowing, as ill-deserving as the elect of God are, beloved, God's buying price has been sent forth, the person of Christ, the shed blood of the Lord Jesus, he has purchased his people. He asks, is my hand shortened at all that it cannot redeem? Isaiah 50 and verse 2. The unworthiness, the depravity, and the utter inability of his people to do the first good thing does in no way hinder or diminish the power of God's redeeming grace. God's buying ability is absolutely sovereign, and he exercises his buying power according to his own good will and pleasure. If he wants to buy garbage, he buys it. 
It is amazing what he can do with that which has been cast out. In Psalm 130 and verse 7, With the Lord there is mercy, and with him is plenteous redemption. Now, with this plenteous redemption, he is able to buy them even from the uttermost state of sin. Hebrews 7.25, the Apostle Paul says, He is able to redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. He is able to bring us from our most loathsome and hateful state unto his feet, unto the place of forgiveness, unto the place of elevation. Let us note a few of the things God has redeemed his people from. He has redeemed them from all iniquity, Titus 2:14. He has redeemed them from the law, Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law. And then God has redeemed his people from the curse. The Bible says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. Galatians 3 and verse 13. And then in Job 6 and 23 we read, He has redeemed us from the enemy's hand, from the hand of the mighty. He has redeemed his people from the flesh, from the world, and from the power of the devil. We read from that he has redeemed his people from the grave. In Psalm 49, verse 15, But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me. When God sent his Son to buy back his people from the slave markets of sin, he told him, All that you buy, I shall conform to your glorious image. Beloved, the Bible tells us, that we are saved by the grace of God, that we are being conformed to the glorious image of His Son, and that when He appears, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Romans 8, 29, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 2, which all adds up, as Paul says, to eternal redemption. Seeing then that the bought ones have eternal and perfect redemption, it is utterly foolish for any person to talk about God returning that which he has bought back to where he bought it at. Brother, you and I may have to return things to the store because of certain, certain matters, certain faults with the garment or item which we have purchased, but not so with God. Our Bible tells us, All that the Father gave unto the Son shall come unto him, and that he shall in no wise cast them out. Beloved, when God comes to purchase his people, they are all one size, and that is utter depraved before God. Never God, I, beloved, and most of you, I say, were in that, will acknowledge that you were in that terrible group. For the Lord forsaketh not his saints. He, they are preserved forever. He does not, brother, cast those off whom he has loved eternally and hath wrought grace in the heart by the merit of his blessed Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us in Jude 24 and 25, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God our Savior, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power both now and ever. Amen. Beloved, the Bible tells us here that they whom Christ saved are going to be presented before the throne of His grace, His mercy seat, and that faultless. 
Beloved, you nor I do not take back that which is perfect, and neither does God. Now let us note the price. In Luke 1 and 68, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for He hath visited and redeemed His people. I would like to quickly point out the term hath, which puts His people's redemption in the past tense. The Bible says concerning Christ come to this earth, Thou shalt call His name Jesus, for He shall save His people from their sins. And, beloved, He hath wrought, He hath wrought for them upon the terrible cross of Calvary. He has paid their sin debt. He has saved them. And in the eyes of God, they are as good as in heaven already. In Psalm 49 and verse 6, They that trust in their wealth, and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches. None of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. Wealth and riches represent the best that lost men may have on this earth. And God says very plainly, emphatically, that there is not enough gold and silver in this world to ransom one soul. Thus it is, we read, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation or lifestyle, received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Money may be the answer to a lot of things in this life, but all the money in the world cannot buy the least spiritual blessing, much less the redemption of the soul. Yet it is the one thing all the world seeks after. Most men are buried with about ten pockets in their grave suit, but not ten cents in all of these pockets. For you see, money has never had any power with God. Let us listen in on one of heaven's song services, and this is what we hear. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for Thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by Thy blood out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation. Thou hast redeemed us by Thy blood, that is, out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation. And then in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7, In whom, that is Christ, we have redemption, through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. God's people are redeemed by riches. But it is the riches of God's grace and not the paltry wealth of this vain and dying world. Christ bought redemption with His own blood, but He gives it freely to His people. Redemption is the gift of God and is not for sale to men. God has posted His sold signs all over the house of redemption. Yet people keep on trying to buy it. They offer many and varied prices. They say baptism will purchase salvation for you. Communion, or even observing communion with a wafer. Morality, free will, decisionism, prayer, etc., etc. All of these things are taught as sufficient price for the soul's salvation. But beloved, all of these are bad checks drawn on an account that was closed in Eden some 6,000 years ago when our grandfather Adam bankrupted the whole family. Spiritually bad checks are a crime, brother, because they are an effort to climb up some other way. And the Bible tells us that who all who does this are thieves and robbers. Now, let us note some of the things saved people can buy. Take your spiritual shopping basket 
and go to the, go to the store of grace and pick up these items. First, they can buy spiritual truth. Proverbs 23, verse 23. Buy the truth and sell it not. Beloved, once God has blessed you with the truth, never ever try and compromise it. God forbid. We have already said money is not a means of barter with God, and one of the reasons it is not is because God has said, all the gold and the silver is mine. So we need to ask, how then and with what can truth be bought? Let us answer. Truth can be bought with prayer. James chapter 1 and verse 5, If any of you lack wisdom, and truth is surely wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not. And bless God, we read, and it shall be given him. Prayer is the means of obtaining things from God. And it is the lack of truth which, which causes the lives of many Christians to be spiritually impoverished. And this critical lack in their lives can be laid to a simple negative. You have not because you ask not. And beloved, the fault lies with us, not with God. We are admonished over and over and over to go to His throne in prayer to seek His grace for this journey here below. In Luke 11, verse 10, I want you to listen what the Lord says on this matter. Everyone that asketh receiveth, and that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. The psalmist David prayed, Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes or truth, and I will keep it unto the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law. The wise Solomon prayed unto God, saying, Give me now wisdom and knowledge. And the Lord said, Wisdom and knowledge is granted unto thee. Solomon did not ask for fame and riches, but he prayed for wisdom so as to lead God's people into truth. Money can buy a college education and expand the horizons of our native intellect. But the very best colleges cannot cause the natural mind to know the first truth about God. Men of this world are forevermore learning and never, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. That is, Jesus Christ says, I am the truth. And they know absolutely nothing about Him until they are quickened by the blessed Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 2.14 we read, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, neither can he know them. They are foolishness unto him because they are spiritually discerned are imparted by the blessed Holy Spirit and understood by they who are led of Him. But the intellectually illiterate who know Christ and petition Him for a deeper understanding of His Word shall receive it. Christ said, Whosoever or whatsoever you ask of the Father in My name, He may give it you. We pray, Dear God, give us wisdom. Give us courage. Give us faith. Dear Lord, enable us to walk in truth. Truth may be bought by a conscientious, consistent Bible study. Beloved, truth is spiritually profitable. In 2 Timothy 2.15, we are admonished by the Apostle Paul to study, to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God. There must be a wrong way to divide it, for the Bible says rightly divide it. A wrong way would create a deficit in spiritual wisdom. 
And it says here, the, in order to be approved of God, we need to be conscientious about our Bible study. We must go prayerfully into this blessed word. In 2 Timothy 3:16 and 17, all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. Note the first thing, beloved, that the Scripture which is inspired of God and all the blessed Word is inspired. It, note the first thing that it is beneficial for, and that is to, for doctrine. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. And then again in First Timothy we read, chapter 4, verses 13 and 15, Till I come, Paul admonishing the young preacher Timothy, Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that they that thy profiting may appear to all. And then Paul says in Acts chapter 20 and verse 20, he said, I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. Paul literally says he, that he had declared the whole counsel of God. He was not ashamed of the doctrines of Christ. Then fourthly, the scripture teaches that the believer in Christ should buy up time. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Why are we to buy up or redeem the time? Well, Paul says we should do it because the days are evil. Beloved, we are living in that era of time that Paul spoke, speak, spoke saying, in the last days perilous, dangerous times shall come. And beloved, because the days are evil, and I don't think there's a person in this, in, in the hearing audience who will, who will argue for one brief second with that statement. Brethren, beloved, the days are truly evil. The term redeeming the time does not mean we can buy for ourselves some extra hours or days upon this earth. But it does mean we can better utilize our time and increase our profit with God. Sixty minutes is the unalterably fixed measurement for the hour. And there is no way we can extend it by one minute, nay, not one second. But, but we will give God, but if we will give God the proper portion of our time, we are then investing in heaven. And beloved, heaven's stock market has never, ever suffered any losses, nor shall it ever. How may we better utilize our time? The answer to that question is amply supplied in the precious Word of God. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I am persuaded beyond doubt that labor for Christ is the most profitable exercise that a man may ever have. In Isaiah 48, verse 17, Thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord thy God which teacheth thee to profit, which leadeth thee by the way that thou shouldest go. 
the Lord our teacher, teaching us to profit. Beloved, obedience unto God is exceedingly profitable, more so than we can ever imagine in this poor, dark, cruel world. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Do you know why this dark and sinful world is still standing? Well, I am not all that intelligent, but I can tell you why the earth has not yet disintegrated under the fiery wrath of Almighty God. The earth is still here as it is because God has not called out of this world His last lost sheep. It is not as some people, teachers, suppose, and they are teaching today. That is because God is gracious to the reprobate. Nay, that's not the reason. But let me read to you from the Word of God why there is yet an opportunity to redeem the time and why this earth yet stands and has not vanished away. In Second Peter 3, verse 9, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Who is the usward? God is long-suffering towards, and I ask, who are the any? God is not willing that they should perish. Well, let me suggest to you that you see the salutation of Peter's two epistles. Thus it is, in viewing these salutations, we see they are the elect according to the foreknowledge of God and those who have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Beloved, God is not willing that any for whom Jesus Christ died should everlastingly perish. Nay, not a one. And yet, God has yet some lost sheep out there whom He is calling through the medium of the Holy Spirit as the gospel is declared. Note the promise. It has to do with Christ coming to this earth again and not with Him trying to save everybody before He actually comes once again to this earth. Now, this is the day in which we live of God's long-suffering towards His lost sheep. But when the last lost sheep the last one is brought into the sheepfold. His long-suffering will give way to his wrath, and this earth will go through a bloodbath that will make all the wars of history seem like children's dispute. Yea, the time is coming, beloved, when the Holy Spirit, with his blessed blood-bought church and the elect of God, will leave this earth. Not that the Holy Spirit is not omnipresent, but His institutional presence in the church will go back to God. And it is the blessed, blood-bought church of Jesus Christ that is the major factor in stemming the tide of sin in this world. The Lord may come before we sing our last hymn or sound our benediction in this message. Or even before I speak the last word. Then all of our opportunities to work and testify of Christ will be over. But how often we lose sight of this promise to of His promise to return and then squander our time instead of redeeming it. I would that God would awaken us out of our slumber and cause us to see the value of our every hour and the urgent need of redeeming the precious time He has allocated unto us. The Bible says, Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Let us go to our blessed Lord, and let us seek these things at His feet, and He will bless us 
and we can serve Him more perfectly. And when we stand before Him to give an account of our life upon this earth, I would venture to say without any doubt that the Master will raise His hand in loving gesture and say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Let us be about the Master's business, for He's coming back to require this time at our hand. May the Lord bless you richly is my prayer.